Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Everyday Nation Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Um, you know, John the Baptist said that Jesus would come and baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. We see tongues of fire falling on the disciples at Pentecost. And we, can't, we know that as, as revival fire, okay? But in Scripture, fire is also symbolic for trials and testings, all right? Difficult things, things that come and test us and put us under pressure, things that challenge our faith, challenge our belief in God, challenge our, our belief that God is good, that God is loving, that God has a future for me, that God has a hope for me, that there is things for me in my, in my destiny, that all of those, that comes under fire. It comes under testing. And just like the way, the illustration that Peter's using here is just like the way gold is, is purified by putting it into a furnace, our faith is purified and it grows and it's strengthened and our character grows and, our, and our, our ability to reflect God's nature grows only when we go through difficult things. And then he says, but your faith is so much more precious than gold. You know, in order to, the reason why people put pur- purify gold is to get, the re- get its real value out. And the reason why we go through stuff is to show our real value. All right? So James wrote about this in, in James chapter 1. He says the following. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why don't you look at somebody this morning and say, when trials come your way, consider it a great opportunity for joy. This is madness. <laughs> this is madness. Come on. Are you serious? When trials come your way, consider it an opportunity. An opportunity. I mean, come on. Is, is a trial really an opportunity? According to the word, it is. It's an opportunity. It's something to be excited about. It's something to have joy about. There's, we're, we're under testing. You're going through stuff. You feel like the world is against you. The people are against you. It's an opportunity, man. It's an opportunity for you. Goodness. We have got to let this word start to shape our minds, people, and think just differently about life. It says this, for, when you, for you know that when your faith is tested. Can you say, when my faith is tested? Notice how he doesn't say if. If your faith so happens to be tested, no, no, no. When your faith has to be tested. It's like this is, you're not going to escape this, okay? Faith is something that must be, has to be tested. It must be tested. It has to be tested. That's what it is, okay? Something that, I mean, he's not suggesting that maybe it is. But then he carries on. He says, your endurance then has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. We'll come back to that in a moment. The point of this is that, uh, this passage here says, when your faith is tested, it's going to happen. It, it is certainly going to happen that your faith and your trust in God is going to be tested. We must remember that Jesus was also tested. It's something we just kind of like forget, you know, sometimes. But he was, he was tested. In Matthew 4 and verse 1, it says, The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. That's the Passion Version, Passion Translation. Something was revealed... In Jesus, but he had to go through the ordeal of testing. And I want you to notice that it was the Holy Spirit that led him to that. It was like the Father leading him to a place of being tested. It was like, you know, it, it, was, it was in order for Jesus to be everything that he's called to be, in order for him to become the Messiah that the world really needs, there had to be some testing that he had to go through in order to reveal who he is. 
And then it says there, once the enemy had, once Satan had tested him and finished testing him, it says that it left, that he left Jesus for a more opportune time. Like he didn't succeed. He left him for a more opportune time. And when you go look at the life of Jesus, we often like wonder, well, when was that time? When you, when you look at his life, you, it, it was all the time <laughs> by the looks of things. I mean, Jesus was a really a man under fire all the time. He was always being tested by the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees. I mean, people were accusing him of being a prince of demons. Even his own family thought he had gone mad and tried to get him to stop ministering and to go home. Maybe they were going to lock him in a room or medicate him. I don't know. what they They were seriously concerned about him. His disciples left him. Many people left him and abandoned him at at certain points. Jesus went through massive testing. He was a man under fire, but it says that he came through all of that. In Hebrews 12, it says that he came through all of that, and therefore God has given him the highest place. The highest place. He went through the most so he could be the most. So with great position comes great testing. (laughs) With great destiny, with great calling, with great, you know, authority and responsibility comes much testing, comes much preparation, comes much fire (laughs) in order to refine us so that we can get there. Um, And it's not only Jesus when we look at the scriptures. You just look at the Bible. Everybody got tested. God tested Abraham. He was like, okay, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Let's test you now. Let's test. Let's see this thing. I want you to see a different picture of God here. You know, there's, there's, a, there's Isaac, there's Jacob, there's Joseph, there's the Israelites, there's David, there's the disciples, there's Paul. All of them were tested. All of them were put under fire in certain ways. And I want you to see this nature. This is like part of the nature of God. Malachi 3 Verse 2 and 3 says the following. It says, He will sit, speaking about actually the Messiah, Jesus, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. I want you to see that there's a part of God's nature that's being revealed to us. Who is God? He is a refiner. He is your refiner. I know this is not really like the message. All of like there was one amen about that, you know. <laughs> it's not really the side of God that we really want to like, you know, get excited about. Yay! He's my refiner. I worship you as my refiner. You don't really find songs that that sing about you, the refining, amazing God. You know, we it's, <laughs> we sing about other things. But I want you to know in Scripture, He reveals Himself as a refiner, as a purifier, as a purger, as someone that looks at your life like a, like a, like a goldsmith would look at a piece of rock with gold in it and say, I'm going to get the gold out of this. Somewhere, I'm going to get rid of the dirt and I'm going to get this gold and I'm going to purify this gold and I'm going to make this gold into something beautiful. That's how your God looks at you. He sees you as precious. He sees you as something with huge potential, someone with potential and ability. And there's a process that he is not ashamed to take you through in order to get you to that place. He's going to get the dirt out of your life. He is against the dirt in your life. He's against the the rubbish in your life. He is against the bad nature in you. He's against that thing. And he's like a refiner. He wants to get that thing out so that you can be pure and blameless in his sight, without spot, without blemish. Um, And either he does it himself or he allows Satan to do it. (laughs) You know, in, in Luke 22, Jesus said this to Peter. He said, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you are restored, find your brethren and help them too. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was like we know that he actually allowed Satan then to do it. Satan has asked. And God is like gone, go for it. Go for it. Let's see. 
<laughs> I don't know about you, but like just sift you like wheat. You know, I went and watched a video because I was just like, what is the wheat th- like process? Like, how does this happen? You know, when you're sifting wheat, I was, I was watching this video of these, these women like in, the, in, in India doing sifting wheat. You gather wheat and it's all like stems and branches and all sorts of stuff. You know what they do then? They, they take these long like whips and they beat it and they beat it and they beat it. I was like, I've never seen this in my life. I was watching this video. These women are beating this wheat, and then they take it, and they start to sift it to get, like, they they start with this pile of, like, wheat like this, and they're left with, like, a little basket of, like, like wheat, you know, like the, the stuff of value. But the process was beating and sifting and then, like, I think what Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, and I've got this picture in my mind. I'm like, that sounds like a whole lot of beating and reducing and getting me down to, like, what cannot be moved, what cannot be shaken, what of is of real value in my life. Mm. Satan came and asked for Job as well. He said, you know what? The only reason Job worships you is because you protect him, you love him, you bless him. He's all cool. Take that stuff away. Give me the opportunity. He'll curse you. God's like, go for it. Go for it. Our father is not afraid to, to let us go through, through the fire. He's not afraid. Either he does it himself or he, he's not afraid to let the, the, our adversary do it. Why? Because he's confident of what's inside of you. He's confident of the word that's inside of you. Jesus, when he's sharing the parable, and and I think it's in Mark 4, where he's talking about the parable of the sower. Sower goes out to sow seed, some lands on this path. And he says this, he says something interesting. He says there's there's a certain ground where it's shallow. And he says when when persecution or testing comes because of the word, you know, it's the reason why we go through testing and persecution and trials is because of the word inside of us. And God's confident in the word Amen. in you. Amen. He's confident in what he's put inside of you. Sift you as wheat. In Hebrews 12, <laughs> it says this. It says that it's actually a sign of his love for us that we go through times of discipline. It's actually actually him showing that he loves us because he says he disciplines those whom he loves. And and it shows our true sonship. For what father is there amongst you who doesn't discipline his sons? When his sons are, I mean, illegitimate children don't get disciplined, you know? They They don't get the father's love. So it's actually a sign of his love. In James, it says we should count it as joy. In Peter, it says that we should be truly glad. And in Romans, it says we should glory in our trials. What kind of madness is this? <laughs> I mean, this is like, you know, everything that we've learned in life is, is this, is to escape the hard stuff and root yourselves in the comfort zone. But God is clearly more interested in our character than he is in our comfort. We're more interested in our comfort than our character. And sometimes we, we're missing what he's doing in the fire that he's actually setting us up for something else. And we're missing it. And you might be going round and round the mulberry bush, missing what God is actually trying to produce in your life. And really maybe angry at God, maybe even disillusioned at God, not rejoicing in the moment, not producing what he wants to see, and therefore not actually entering into what he's got for you at the end of it. We're not going to be those kind of people, amen? amen. Let's, let's just look at James 1 again. Let's look at James 1 again. It says the following. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Okay, so we've got to to do this, people. Okay, great joy. All right? Look at what it says there. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, or your character has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance, your character is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. 
The word perfect there is a word in Greek. It's the word teleos, which means full maturity, perfect moral character, a, full, a fully mature son in the Lord. That's what te- teleos means. It's the same word Jesus used when he said, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is. Be ye teleos as your Father in heaven. Be of, of like mature moral character just like God is of mature moral character. Apparently, when a blacksmith or goldsmith is working with metal, when they're, they're melting it in the fire, they know when to pull it out by when it starts to show their reflection in it. And, and, it's, and it's kind of like that. You know, is that like when the, the fire is on and we start to show the character and the nature, the teleos nature of God, that it's like it's time to come out. It's like you're ready. You're showing the right character, what, what God is actually looking for. If you don't know that he's looking for that, you can be so frustrated in the fire. But it's an opportunity for you to grow. So you have to know this. So look at, what, look at this passage. It says here, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. It has a chance when you're under fire. So your trial is an opportunity, okay? Notice how it carries on and says, so let it grow. In other words, cooperate with what God is trying to do in your life. Why will you wrestle against it? Why will you keep like trying to get out of it? Why do you, why do you run around in your own strength trying to get out of the trial or whatever you're in when actually just you need to cooperate and say, Lord, what are you trying to do in me through this? Lord, who am I meant to be? Who, how can I grow? What do I need to grow in? Patience, humility, love, dependency on you. What is it, God, that you are looking to draw out of me in this season? Let's work together. <laughs> I'm going to work with you. You're looking for that? Then that's, that's what we're going to do in this moment, Lord. I want you to notice in this passage, it says this, that trials don't automatically produce Christ-like character. They just provide the opportunity for it to grow. We are the ones who have to let it produce the right character in us. We're the ones who have to go, let this thing grow in my life. Let this thing grow. Because I know, I mean, I'm sure you've met, there's a, a good number of people who have, who've gone through trials and it actually hasn't made them better. It's made them bitter. The trials actually didn't, do the work because they're, they're actually just, they defaulted to something else. So the trial is, it's an opportunity to grow, but we have to harness that opportunity. We've got to look at that opportunity and say, God, come do that in me. Um, so I want you to take a look at the scripture in Psalm 66. It says the following. Can we read it together? <clears throat> it says, for you... Have tested us, O God. Pause, sorry. Who tested us? Okay, I want you to see our Father is a tester, okay? You have tested us, O God. You have refined us as silver is refined. We went through, let's read it. We went through the fire and through water, yet you brought us out into a broad place of abundance. I want you to know that the fire that you're going through, all the tough stuff that you're going through, is not the end of your story. There is an abundance that God wants to bring you into. There is a broad place of abundance. There's a place of promotion. He actually wants to increase your responsibilities. He wants to increase your influence. He wants to increase your resources, your position, your spiritual authority. He wants to actually take you to higher heights. But the fire is there to refine you so that when you have that stuff, it doesn't have you. That when you're in that place, that you don't just become another casualty. You're not just, at the end there, you've got all that, but now you don't have the character to sustain it. 
I know we say this often, you know, but could it be, could it be that you aren't where you know God has called you to be for the simple reason of your character? It's not something that we really want to own up and, and, and like, like say, yeah, yeah, that's pretty true. But we're, we're really like, God, I'm trusting you to like promote me. I'm trusting for this business. I'm trusting for this. And, like, and we, in our mind, we really feel like we should have it. Like we, and God's like, cool, all right. The process is this. <laughs> you know, and, and, and the process might be hard and it might be tough and character building. And in that process, we have to see that he is preparing us for things. He's preparing us for those places. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 5. Lots of scriptures this morning. Romans 5 says this. It says, and not only that, but we also, let's read it, glory in tribulations. Nudge somebody and say, you need a glory in tribulations. Come on. You need a glory in tribulations. Knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, I, I don't know about you. I've read that scripture a couple times. Okay, so we see, we're seeing there's a production line here. Okay, can you see there's like, for engineers here, there's a production line. Okay, what happens is you, you enter this thing called, all right, tribulations and trials, and you glory in it, and it produces perseverance. And then after you've got perseverance, you've got character. And after you've got character, you get hope. Right? Now, I don't know about you, but I read this and I said, well, I, I, okay, I'll just, I'll just be transparent this morning. Okay, this is, this is how much we don't value character, okay? <laughs> is there, I, I look at that and I go, well, okay, so what am I going to get for all this trial stuff? I'm going to get character. Okay, great. I'm sure I've got character. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm generous. I'm this, this, this. And then, and then there's this word hope at the end of that. And then, to, so after character, what am I going to have? I'm going to have hope. So I'm like, what, Lord? Am I going to just be this guy who's got like hope? Like, yeah, yeah, hope in the future. And I'm, I'm just going to. So like, why, why glory in trials if the end of this is just some character, which I think I've got already. And then this thing called hope, which actually I've got hope already. I hope for better days. You know, I hope to get out of this fire. You know, I've got hope. So like, why, why glory in all of this? What's the deal, Lord? It's a good question, hey? The word hope is the word expectation or joy. And what Paul is trying to tell us here is that he says character creates. Once there's character in place, there is expectation of blessing. There is expectation of promotion. There is hope. There is this destiny. There is this future. There is this awesome thing that God has for you at the end of this process. And so take joy in this process. It says this. It says, for the joy set before the hope set before Jesus, he endured the cross, despising the shame, all right? And sat down at the right hand of God the Father. For the joy, for the hope that was set before him, he went through the cross. He went through the trial. He went through the difficult stuff because he knew there was a hope in front of him. And so Paul is trying to say to us in this passage here is that character is what qualifies you for destiny. Character is what qualifies you for the future that God has for you. And most of us, we've got a really bad, I don't know. There's something, something went wrong when Adam sinned. It's like we, we really think that we're much better than what we really are. <laughs> Come on, let's just be honest. We really think that we're, like we really feel like, God, I deserve like lots more money. And I deserve like much more position and much more authority and much more response. Like what, what, why are you not promoting me, God? Like what's the deal, you know? And we, we really, we, we, there's this like disconnect with like who we think we are and able and what we're able to do and, and who we really are at the end of the day. And God is like, I know you. 
<laughs> better than you know you. I know the hairs on your head, how many there are. You know, for Paul, that's quite easy, but we all know. <laughs> but, but like, I know you like I really know you, even when you might be in that place. And so a good prayer is, Lord, you know what? Develop me. Develop me. Lord, let me learn. What am I getting through this? Lord, what are you, what are you doing? What, what in me needs to change? Lord, how are you refining me? How must my language change? How must my thinking change? How must the way I treat people change? How must the way I think about the future change? Lord, I understand that I'm the project here. I understand that it's not that that's the project. I am it. I'm the precious metal. I am what you're working on. What are you doing in me? I'm cooperating with you. I'm telling you people, when you change your prayer to that, you find God is with you in the fire. You find him there. He's now suddenly very present. There was another in the fire. Come on. Standing where? Next to me, waiting for you to wake up and realize that he's trying to do something here. Okay? That he's actually at work in this moment. But you know what? We're so blind. We're resisting him. And uh, we're not wanting to turn it in. Turn it in and say, Lord, what are you doing? How can I grow? What are, what are you doing? Because let me tell you something. When you have that character, it is way more precious than gold. It's like it is the ticket to rulership in the kingdom. Faithful with character, you will be faithful with much. The, the promotion comes when we produce what he's looking for in our lives. So make that your goal. That's his goal. So make his goal your goal. Say, Lord, okay, we got that vision. We got that hope in front of us. We got that great expectation. But Lord, I understand I'm the project here. How does this project need to adapt in order to cope with what you're going to be giving me? You know, it's like, you know, you touch to some kids and like there was a point when, when my sons were a little bit younger. He, he really believed he could drive a car. He really did. I mean, he was like, Dad, can I, can I drive? Can I? can't even reach the pedals champ you know but like like would good fathering be like here's the key champ go for it let's see you get it out the garage you know like no you know a father knows what 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 his son is capable of and i don't i think a lot of the blessing guys there's too many casualties the blessing sucks there's nothing that will test you more than success Nothing that will test you more like having more money, having more position, having more freedom, having an expense account, having a travel account, having more properties. There's nothing that's going to test you more than that. And God does not want that to ruin you. He doesn't want you to crash that thing. He doesn't want you to be another statistic. He doesn't want your marriage to be another statistic. He doesn't want your friendships to be another statistic. He doesn't want your life to be a mess. And so he's going to say, you know what? We'll get there but let's work on this. Let's work on this. And when you've got it, man, the world is yours. Man, the world is yours. You know, I know, I know some people I, throughout the years in this church, I've noticed some people who have gone through some fire and they've cooperated with God and I've seen God bless them, man. Like with position, with the th- like stuff that's like, yo, how did that happen? But nobody... I knew because I'm pastor and I get to like, I have the privilege of seeing some secret lives, you know. I know, I know that there was some dark days, some tough moments before they, they everybody else just sees that, woo, they're, they're now this and head of that and tra- traveling the world and whatever. But I know I, there was, there were days where that person said, Lord, this offense is not going to rule my heart. This, this depression is not going to get over me. Lord, I, I'm going to write. Lord, come work, work in me. Come, God. Let's, let's do this thing. I'm going to cooperate with what you're trying to produce in my life. You're getting this? Come on. Um, so, case study, Joseph, this morning. Joseph was, <laughs> I mean, Joseph had a tough hair. 
rejected by his brothers, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, from slavery into a house as a servant, then falsely accused and thrown into prison. How many years? 13? 13 years. 13 years, people, in prison. Okay? I mean, tough stuff. But we sometimes forget that at the end of that, he was made prime minister of the biggest empire in the world. So he went from prison to being prime minister. I want you to know that this is what the prison can do in your life. This is what this pain can do in your life. This is what this trial can do. It can promote you to places of prime minister. If you will let it do what it's meant to do in our lives. And when these brothers came back to him looking for food, he didn't kill them. Which I'm pretty sure he was struggling with. (laughs) Come on, let's be honest. Some of us would have struggled with that. Oh yeah, now's the moment. Now's the moment. You guys sold me into slavery. What do you need? You need some food. Oh, I'll give you food. This is the moment. He doesn't kill them. Why? Because the prison forged something in him. He was this arrogant, boastful, spoiled child who became a leader, a man of wisdom and mercy and love. How did he get that? He got that in the prison. Psalm 105 tells us this. It says this. It says, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. That, that word there, tested, in Hebrew is the word soraf. Soraf. I don't know how you say it, okay? Soraf. And it literally means goldsmith. So it was like the word of the Lord goldsmithed him, tested him. Joseph was tested, people. Joseph went through stuff. And and think how different his story could have been. He could quite easily have become the guy who, you know, with, with like an excuse for life. I was rejected by my family. Nobody loved me. I wasn't given, you know, I was thrown in a pit. And he could easily have been just this guy walking around with this big excuse of nothing went my way. I didn't get dealt a good hand. Nobody gave me a hand up. I didn't go to a nice school. I, he, he could have quite easily gone through life with a whole bunch of excuses for all the difficulties. But he wasn't. Okay? We never see that in him. He could have been the guy who ran off with another man's wife. That could have been his story. But when the time of testing came, he stood for purity. He stood for righteousness. And that's why I always say this, guys. The purity battle is not the purity battle. It's the destiny battle. It's the destiny battle. It's, the, it's not, God doesn't want us just pure so we can be pure. He doesn't want us just to have good character so we can just be like, hey, i got good character. There is, there is destiny, there is position, there is responsibility that he has for us. That the purity requires. That the character will require. He could quite easily have been that forlorn prisoner, sulking in prison, uncaring about other people's dreams. The can- what was it, the candlestick maker, the, bread- the baker, what was it, the baker... You know, who are also in prison. He could have been like, you got dreams. I don't care about your dreams. I had dreams that didn't come true. He could have been that guy. But even in prison, he was like, what's your dream? Let me work on this. Even in prison, he was like, let's make this place better. Let's make the prison better. Kind of like, you know, T, we're making Berea Road better. Amen. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) I'm like, I'm, I'm actually amazed at that, people. You know, we're there on Friday night for the opening of that shop. I'm like, man, there's like, there's trash lying outside on the street. I mean, it's like, it is Berea Road, you know? And like, and there, there is T standing in there saying, we, we, this is urban renewal. I'm like, what? What kind of crazy is this? This is urban renewal. This is how we change cities. This is how we empower people. This is how we create jobs. We go into the dark places. We go into the hard places. We start things. We make the prison better. We work with God. We see what He's doing. Amen? Come on. 
So the question I have for you this morning is, oh wait, wait, scripture, Genesis 45, I'm bombing you with scriptures, all right? You still okay? Look at this. And God sent, this is Joseph speaking, he says this, and God sent me before you, talking to his brothers, to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. There was another in the fire. Joseph saw that it was God taking him through the prison, taking him through the, all of that that he went through. It wasn't you. It wasn't those people. It wasn't life. It wasn't bad luck. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't anyone. It was God who was taking me through something to prepare me for, to be a posterity for you. To be a blessing to you. God was, it was God, Joseph was able to see God in his fire. I want to ask you, can you see God in your difficulties this morning? Can you see him? Can you see his hand? Can you see what he's doing through this? Or is this just meaningless and frustrating and, you know, nothing's working out my way? What, what can you see your refiner and what he's doing in your life? There are, there are things that God really values in our character. For example, obedience. Okay. But how do we get that obedience? Do we just get it when, when it's easy to obey, when there's no other options? No. We get it when we're tested, when we're going through difficult things. All right? Um, Look at, look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 to 9. It says the following. It says, talking about Jesus, it says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, there's the word teleos again, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So I want you to see the whole process again here. Okay? How did Jesus... I mean, we, we marvel at Jesus' obedience. He was co- obedient even to the point of death on the cross. We marvel at that. How did he get that obedience? He learned it through trials, through testing, through suffering. He learned it through, in other words, this, the dark stuff that he went through produced this quality that God wanted to see called obedience. It produced it in him. And then what did that obedience do? It perfected him. It made him of strong character. It made him teleos, a fully grown, mature son, right? And then what happened thereafter? He became the author of eternal salvation. So he got the highest position in the galaxy. I want you to see a process here, people. There is this testing. It's producing an obedience. It's what God wants to see. The obedience is maturing him. The maturity is qualifying him for what God has for him. Guys, we need to take authority in our city. We need to, to, to be the ones leading businesses, leading governments, leading organizations. Guys, we have got to be in the top spots. And the way there is through character. The way we're going to get there is, is we've got to realize God's not going to put us there just automatically. We've we got to show, we've got to work with Him and show what he's looking for in our lives. And then we'll take this. Because we can't mess around anymore, people. We need to take charge here. Amen? Can somebody say amen? Yeah. Amen. How do you learn honor? How do you learn honor? When your boss is just, you know, he's the most amazing boss. And uh, he just leads you so well and communicates so clearly and he's just so organized and you come to work and it's such a joy and it's like, it's just I'm learning to honor you because you're so amazing. Or is it when your boss is just irritating you and like frustrating? And actually, if you think about it, you can do the job better than him. Like, why is he above me? Is that when we learn honor? So I want you to see the trials are opportunities. They are opportunities to produce what God wants to see in our lives. It's an opportunity to grow in honor. When it's like you serve someone who is not honorable. (laughs) How do you learn prayer? 
and dependency on God. How do you learn that? When everything is amazing in your life, when there's so much money in the bank account, you're working the ideal job, is that when you're going to learn how to pray and depend on God? Unfortunately, it's not. Hey? I think some of you are here right now learning this lesson, learning how to pray and depend on God. I mean, we heard that testimony Sub shared about them PTs. You know, depend. They, they, I mean, come on. You were preaching this morning, Subs, that their testimony was what? They saw God in it, eh? They was teaching them to depend on Him. You learned how to depend on God when there's nothing else that you can depend on or do in your own flesh. I've done everything in my flesh. I've got no more cash. I've got never. I have to trust you, Lord, and I have to learn how to pray, man. I got to pray. I got to pray just to make it today. You know, it's in that trial that we learn that stuff. And I want you to know, God's not going to just browse over that and say, oh, okay, I'm going to make you president, but like, you don't need to know how to pray and trust me. Like, you'll be fine there. No, you'll mess that thing up. <laughs> you really will. Because you haven't learned how to depend on Him. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 8. It says this. We don't want you to be in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we had been sent to death row. That it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea since He's the God who raises the dead. And He did it. He rescued us from certain doom and He'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. You and your prayers were part of the rescue operation. We learn to pray when there's a rescue operation needed. <laughs> prayer. That's where we learn the power of prayer to change our lives. That's where Paul's saying this, this dark thing. We don't know what was going on here. Okay? Like, I've tried to find out. But there's, there's only like hearsay. There's nothing in, really in history uh, what was going on. A lot of people think it was just severe persecution. Where they are being beaten, thrown in prison, that sort of thing. So we don't really know exactly what this death sentence felt like, all right? But look at his name. Look at what he's saying. It, it was the best thing that could have happened to us. Listen, this is how, let, let's be honest. You can look back over your life and look at some of the hard things that produced what God is looking for in your life and turn around and say, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. You know, I've looked at sometimes in my life where, where man, it's, there's been sickness, there's been misunderstanding, there's been tough things going on. I look back and I'm just like, man, it really was the best thing. <laughs> it taught me so much. It taught me honor. It taught me obedience. It taught me how to pray. It taught me how to trust God. It taught me how to love. Taught, you know, when do we learn love, people? When the feelings are all there or when the feelings are gone? And when there's, no, when there's no reason to love this person, you just want to hate them, actually. Isn't that when we actually really learn what love is? Remember this, that this is what love is, that God, that Christ gave himself for us even when we were enemies of God. And God could have hated us, but love really is when you give me loving your enemies. That's, that's now you've got love. <laughs> You got that one worked into you. I could carry on. I could carry on. And I know some of you are like, Shepherd, stop. The fire is hurting. <laughs> everything, everything said and done, people. I, I know some of you are going through tough stuff. I want you to see that this is an opportunity for you. I want you to have the faith this morning that looks at what you're going through right now as you know what, God, this is a great opportunity for character to grow, for faith to grow, for strength to grow, for dependency to grow, for prayer to grow, for all those wonderful things that you're looking for. And then don't just have faith for that. Have faith that that, that is what's going to qualify you for the promotion at the end of this. 
I know it might be hard for some of you this morning to feel like there's actually going to be a day when you're going to be out of this and that you actually could walk in the promise that God has for your life. But I want you to look at Joseph's life, look at all these other people's lives, look at Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and let the same mind that was in him be in you, that for the joy that was set before him, he, he went through, he endured the cross. Amen. Come and stand to our feet. <clears throat> the song carries on and says, I count the joy in every battle. Because I know that's where you'll be. There, the song that we, we were singing this morning was the, the worship team was singing, it was New Wine. And um, I want us to worship at the end of this message to that song. We're just going to put that song on, we're going to worship, and that's the end of the service this morning. But I want you to take this as an opportunity to, to, to come right with the Lord and to worship Him for what He's doing in your life. Um, and see him as the refiner that he is and commit your heart to him and commit to going through the process and commit to cooperating. So make 
Amen. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for your power in our lives, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you are mighty to save, Lord Jesus. That you are a good, good Father, Lord God. Lord Jesus, that you don't abandon us, Lord God, to be destroyed by this world and our own devices, Lord God. But you, you are making us, Lord God, into an image of Christ, Lord Jesus. That you are fortifying us, Lord God, and shaping our character, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. You know, the, the, this, thank you, Wayne, for this great word. Thank you. You know, this kind of message is not one of those where you feel good about it and then you walk away and then life happens. It's sort of like preparing you for tomorrow. And what's going to happen after tomorrow and whenever, whatever, as this week and this month goes by, that God make me, you know, make me your vessel. Bring new wine out of me. You know, tomorrow in traffic, Bring new wine out of me. As you step into that office, bring new wine out of me. You know, we have opportunities. We will have opportunities as, you know, whenever. What are we going to produce? What are we going to react like? Are we going to produce sour grapes? Or are we going to produce fragrant character? So... I just want to pray for, uh, for us as we leave today that we may be those people that produce good character, fragrant character that is worthy of Christ, that people might see that there is a God in, and He lives in the inside of us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord Jesus. Lord God, thank you, Lord, that you're refining our hearts, Lord God, that you are shaping our character, Lord Jesus. Lord God, for those of us, Lord God, that are going through hard times, I pray for your strengthening, Lord God. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence, Lord God, that you are with us in the fire, Lord God. That you are with us in the challenges, Lord Jesus. Let us feel your presence, Lord God. Let us see you, Lord God. Lord God, in the hard times, Lord Jesus. Lord God, when it does not make sense, Lord God, when we cannot feel you, Lord God, that we may trust that you are present in our lives, Lord God. That when we hold on to you, Lord Jesus, that we will come through, Lord God, as fragrant wine, Lord Jesus. Like Job said, Lord Jesus, that we will hold on to you, Lord God, and we will worship you, Lord God. Even though we feel like we, you are being, we are being slain, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that you are bringing us, Lord God, to new levels of faith, new levels of character, Lord God, and new levels of purification, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. In your holy and mighty name we pray. And all of God's people said... Amen. Come on. All right. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at enderban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.